Yes, love that. Really powerful. Yes, yeah. Your story of men. <laughs> your what? Men drive money. By the way, you should bring your whack here sometime. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I should bring her. Yes, I should bring her. Gosh. <laughs> it honestly, I think, just gave me such a perspective of like what like a coach looks like when father looks like mother looks like all at once, and then also just like real like easy like freedom. Like I was saying, the freedom to like just get rebuked, but in love, so that you grow in the spirit. <laughs> Yes, it's amazing. It's so good. Yes, absolutely. I love that. Okay, yeah, let's do one more. Um, I just asked myself the question, what if you put away the old Andrew way of having everything in order and prepared and just accepted looking like a fool in order to be accelerated in the way of the Lord? Because that has an error. It's so like, good. the way of the Bible. He didn't like put the disciples in three-year class and be like, all right, wow. Well, he like on purpose put them in situations where the people who were doing possession they didn't have the authority and they didn't know how to walk out of it. Like yeah. there is permission for trial and error. Like it's actually the way that we see Jesus yes. throughout wow. So it's like, am I gonna sit in pride and be like, you know, I want to do this right, so I'm gonna wait until I know everything. Versus being like, okay, I'm just going to take what you taught me today wow. and try to learn by, with this authority, but also like not giving up or going to hospitality team. What you said, <laughs> instead of being like, you're oh, on the hospitality team, you know, I love you. That's the hospitality team. It's not a shot at hospitality. We're just in all to go the power. Keep going, keep going. Oh, so good. Well, let's pray. We're going to jump in. Uh, I want to make the most Jesus. We love you so much. Pray you would accelerate us as we train today. We say yes to, does everyone say yes to taking risks today? Yes. Jesus, you've heard that. We're saying yes to taking risks and stepping out. I pray that you would activate our gifts in Jesus' name. Pray you would activate gifts that are dormant, that we don't know that are there. Give us new yes, gifts today. In Jesus' name, show us how the gifts work together. We pray that today would be revelatory for us individually that everyone would receive a revelation that's powerful and helpful yes. to their life that's encouraging it's uplifting i pray father that today we would be challenged and that we would take away practical tools that will make us better as we go forward as leaders in jesus name amen yeah. okay this is what we're going to do so this afternoon is going to be all training okay i'm using the term training in that we are going to activate we're going to move the between activation and then I'll give you a little coach speeches, and then we'll continue to activate as the spirit leads. Sound good? Yeah. The overview goal today is we're going to do basically what I call a prayer team training. So I'm going to give us a framework for prayer team training. And I might, we're just going to, it's going to be real practical, but I think the Lord's going to move in the midst of that. Are you guys in for it? Yeah. Yeah. 
So I need to take a minute. We've got to get organized. It's a bit of a practical exercise, but I just need us here in a second to get kind of, um, yeah, organized so that we can move forward for the afternoon. What I want you to do is I want us to get into groups of uh, three, okay? So if we've got an odd number, we can do one group of four, but you need to have a minimum of three. Um, I prefer you not do four because when we get into fours, usually it just slows the wheels a little bit. And so the goal is practical. Uh, the goal is learning by doing, which is the highest form of learning. Okay, and so we're gonna learn as we do. But the goal is to everyone to get ministry. I want you all to receive ministry from one another practically. So it's not ethereal, it's real. So you're all going to receive real prophetic insight today. You're going to receive real breakthrough. You're going to receive real encouragement. If you've had a million prayer times, cool. Sign up for a million and one. Here you go. So you're just going to get, I'm believing by faith, the Spirit's going to move in and through and on you. And then as we go, we'll just pause and train as we go. And if you remember, when I was with the Encona, we did this a bunch. So it's just that rhythm of back and forth. I call it a beehive. So the goal here is not to be like a library where everyone's whispering. The goal is just, it's all out rolling across the room, spiritually activating an authority. It's like a gang fight. Are we good with that? Yeah. So I need you to go into that mindset. It's a different mindset than listening to learn. It's a, we're, we're taking ground. So I need you in groups of three, no twos, please. Uh, because I need, we need the gifts in place for everyone to receive because you're going to rotate the roles and rotate receiving ministry. What I want to do is I think the ratio is about right, so we're going to try this. It's not perfect science, but I want to do one circuit rider with two Konaites. Does that sound good? Yeah. And because um, I think there's about a two-to-one ratio. If it doesn't work out perfectly, it doesn't matter. I want you, though, to, here's what I'm asking you, resist the temptation to go with people that you pray with all the time. If you have a prayer buddy that's, I saw right there, I just saw the look, you know, like you wanted to go together. But I'm trying to put you in a position to grow. And so I think it's good to be able to, we would do this in Tacoma. People were so well-trained in their gifts and skill sets and in the roles and in the grid that you could be paired up at a moment's notice with anybody and everybody intuitively understood what their function was. So you could go, hey, you know, I appreciate you're a married couple and you always pray together, but someone's sick at home, you and you, you're praying together, boom, everyone knew their role and their function. You know, someone flew across the nation to get prayer, everyone knew what they were doing. So I'm, it's a systematic type of training. It's like a style of offense I'm, I'm teaching you that if you'll understand, because if you don't learn the offense that way, then you always have to be attached to the same person because there's these stylistic needs. And I'm trying to break that and go, no, the spirit moves. And in and among your team, like I have a vision I would love because our, our communities are sister communities. I would love that we could converge anywhere on the earth on any given day. And everyone goes, we know how to, we know how to rumble. we got a thousand people that need prayer. Make it happen. Everyone just goes, boom, it mechanizes. Does that make sense? Versus like, oh, what's your name? Well, that's not how we do it. That's not how we flow here. So that's not how circuit writers work. That's not how you work. That's not our culture. We have a shared culture of breakthrough. So I'm intentionally moving into a coach mode today to teach you an offense. It's an offense that we share. It's an offense we all believe. I need us to activate into that zone. So I'm pulling you out of your preferred offense into a new offense. Yeah. <clears throat> Is that too intense? So threes, try to mix, find new people. Here's my last request. This is important. Don't go too quick. If you're dating someone and you're in the room, I'm asking you not to be in a group with your dating person. And here's a simple reason why I just don't have time to get into the Bible teaching. 
but it gets weird when dating couples try to behave like married couples because there's no covenant authority on it. So the will not flow on that because you're mimicking moves that there's not yet grace for. Okay, So I see it happen in revival communities, happens in our communities. The young dating couple tries to mimic the married couple. The only problem is there's a small thing called covenant missing. And so God goes, I don't think authority's not flowing on that. So it's going to take us a minute because I think it's going to figure out like who's doing where. I need you to go quickly. This is a no passivity exercise. Last thing, fill the aisles, the front, the middle, and the side. Do not mess up chairs because it'll just creates a nightmare. Okay, here we go. The first thing that we're going to do, this is prayer team training. So we're going to get hyper-practical. I'm just going to give myself to be permission to be coach. Are you guys good with that? Yeah. So the first thing you always have to do as a prayer team is you have to establish authority and take authority. Yeah. That makes sense? Yeah. I'm going to show you how to do that. The way that you do that is you designate a person to be your, your authority. Someone, we're all going to trade roles. So this isn't about who's cool, who's not. You're all cool, and Satan is not. There it is. When I speak somebody to go, I'm going to exercise my gift of authority, okay? And I'm going to lead out, because the next time, the next person's going to lead. Okay, now the other person is going to be activated to hearing the voice of the Lord. Everyone can hear the voice of the Lord, so you don't have to be restricted. But I want to exercise right now roles within the prayer function. So I have an authority role and I have a revelation role. Does that make sense? Yeah. Everybody hears the voice, so everyone's of the Lord, everyone's contributing. But my wife and I grew in time. I told you the silly story earlier, but what I learned was my wife has a dynamic gift. You know, Laura, now we're married over 20 years. She's a dynamic prophetic gift. But I had to learn as a husband how to draw that out and steward and facilitate that. What I found for my wife was what did not activate my wife was asking a question, which is totally a safe thing to do. There's no skin in the game to ask a question. And then to put all the pressure on her. Didn't work. It didn't activate her gift. So what I learned is when I want to activate my wife's gift, I have to take a risk first. Does that make sense? Because yeah. yes. it's an unspoken risk. If I go, I'm taking a risk, I'll say what I heard, even though my gift's not as strong as hers. Then her gift goes, okay, I'll follow you into the risk. Boom, the screens will light up and she'll just start hearing. So I want everyone to hear, but I know that if I'm moving an authority, I'm directing that time. Does that make sense? Yeah. Don't get real caught up in the roles, but I'm trying to create order. It's a style of offense, okay? Just trust me. In. Then you're going to have a recipient. So you've got an authority, got someone moving in revelation, you have someone receiving prayer. So how do you take authority? This is how you take authority. It's a really simple prayer. You just say, in Jesus' name, we take authority over this time. There you go. Okay? How's that for simple? Everyone say simple. I need to be felt in my tone of voice. I'm taking authority over the room. Why are you taking authority over the room? Because you're binding up deception and the human imagination. Because neither of those will be productive in your time. So by faith, why do I do this so sternly? Because the number one unbelief category when it comes to hearing the voice of the Lord is, is that really you, God, or did I make that up? So the way I resolve that is by faith, I find the human emotion and the human imagination, and I trust that everything that comes after that is the voice of the Lord. Wow. It's a raw faith exercise, or else you get, you'll start playing head games and you won't take any ground. Yeah. So as an authority here, I'm going to model it with you. Can you all see and listen? You guys come around. Are you a prayer team? So I'm going to model what this looks like. 
You're about to do this in 30 seconds. Okay, and then if you were with me in Kona, you know my philosophy that authority looks and sounds like something. So if you want to sit down today, I kind of give you permission, but not really, because you have to be in a mode of authority. So here it is. In Jesus' name, we take authority over this prayer time. We bind everything to the truth. We bind our mind to the truth. We bind our hearts to the truth. We take authority over our imagination. We declare only the voice of the Lord will speak. Jesus, our hearts are open. We declare faith you're going to speak in Jesus' name. Do you guys feel for me? Do you feel that's different than this? Okay, guys. Um, who wants to hear? Okay, cool. Um, okay, Lord, well, we just thank you for your love, and we just pray that you just show You guys feel a difference in time. So is authority related to my volume? No. But sometimes you need volume to get your mind and your heart in line. So don't get caught up in the religious argument, and it is a religious argument to God. Well, I don't want to raise my voice because I, hey, if you're in that zone, I love you, man. Go get Starbucks. Have a great day. Yeah, I said that. Because yeah. I'm taking authority over the room. So I need you to move in authority. If that offends you, leadership's going to be tough because harder things are going to be said. So I need you to move in that zone. We're taking ground. You see what I'm saying? So first assignment right now is to take authority. Someone's going to do that. Number two, I want you to ask the Lord how the Lord sees that person. How are we doing? Good. Fill in the blank for whoever it is. Okay. Do you guys want me to model this real quick or do you guys feel like you got it? You got it? Okay. Here we go. Get up into your groups. Someone take authority. And then hey, real quick, I'm going to do her original sign. I'm going to do about five minutes a person, and then I'm going to rotate. So you need to move quickly. Go for it. Yesterday, I said this. So I'm going to make the point again. Again, what moves this exercise from general encouragement, which is not bad. I would go general encouragement every day. So if that's what you've got, then throw your talents on, on the table. You see what I'm saying? Don't bury that. But what moves it from that to life-altering, like when Jesus sees Peter, he goes, when he sees Simon, he goes, you're Peter, and on this rock, I'm going to build my church. Where you go, like, on his deathbed, or I think he was martyred, wasn't he? I mean, the moments, he's probably, before he being martyred, he's probably thinking about that moment and going, like, man, how did Jesus tell me my whole life in a matter of seconds? So how many of you have gotten prophetic words where you go, that was different? There was encouragement, but that word, like I have prophetic words you get, you go, great, thank you. That nourished me for a few hours and I was stoked. And I was, <laughs> no, I mean, that, I just been like, that was a blessing. Yeah. And then how many of you, I have some prophetic words I've had for 20 years and every yeah. time I look at them, I go, man, there's just something yeah, on yeah. that word that is still just draws me further into the Lord. How many of you have at least one prophetic word that there's something instantaneous in it, and at the same time, yet something so far-reaching, you just feel compelled, it draws you into your future. Yeah. So that's, to me, what original design is. You're reaching something different and deeper. And I don't know how to control that. It's by the Spirit. This is the coach side of me going, I don't know how to tell you, you can't stand on your foot one way and kind of, you know, raise your voice and that happens. It's authority. It's by the Spirit. It's the gift. You're, you need revival to land. It's the Holy Ghost who does it. So put yourself, what, so I'm going to tell you three things that in my view move you into that cadence or that gear, whatever uh, metaphorical language you want to use. 
Number one, put yourself in a position where you need God to speak. If you don't really need the Lord to speak because you're good at encouragement, that will reflect in the lack of depth in your prophetic revelation. If you're like, I have no good things to say. I have zero creative capability. God's going to show up or it's going to be an awkward moment. You're putting yourself in a position of dependence upon the Lord. Everyone say dependence. Okay. That's number one. Number two, faith. I told you the story earlier. Brian comes in the room. Brian asks with faith. That activates authority. Boom, Laura's gift just opens up. And I have a live revelation. Go, oh my gosh. My wife got unfair amount of gifts. She's a five-town person. She has tremendous authority and an insane prophetic gift. Wow. I'm married way up, right? So what was that? It was faith activated her into a whole new level. You could be praying for years without faith and never see that gift could remain dormant. Does that make sense? Wow. So in your time, you're, it's in a decision in your mind to go, I'm moving in faith. Wow. And then the last thing I would say that to me moves you out of generic encouragement into real precise laser prophetic downloads is, um, sorry, just look on my video, come back. Oh, taking a risk. That's what I was going to say. My only one, here, I'll just say this. We first started prayer teams in Tacoma when the, when the breakout of the spirit began. And then the prophetic turned on. And this is a, you know, took a little time. But they were like, we're going to build prayer teams. I remember they put out an invitation to the church and said, if you want to be the prophetic person on the team, volunteer. And I just remember, I don't know if I was probably 18 or 19 years old. I just remember being like mesmerized by the prophetic gift. I and mean, many of you, you don't have to, but how many of you are like, man. There's something about the prophetic. When that person just gets that laser word, you're like, I don't know a lot of that in school, dude. And I was not some of that stuff. Yeah. So the Bible says eagerly desire the gifts of the spirit, especially what? Prophecy. So it's a Bible command that all of you would eagerly desire the gifts of prophecy. You're, you're square within the line of scripture on that. Okay. So I would say this is though, if I'm honest with you, when I started, this is a true story, is when we started. I got selected, if you will. Like, okay, come on over to the prophetic room. I was like, yes. Um, and I remember they put me as a team. I was the, the prophetic here, and it was blank screens for a matter of weeks. Just like, oh, Matt was not moving into prophetic stuff. You know? So it took a couple of times of awkward prayer times, and then there was a pastoral moment where they go, hey, Matt, come over here. We're going to move you to the authority room, and you're going to start doing that. And I was a little, I remember being like, oh, nuts, you know, like, <laughs> I wanted to be in the prophetic room, and I'm in the this guy room. So I'm going somewhere with my storyline. So I sort of exercise as an authority within this role. You know what I found is as the years went by, as I was faithful, 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 and took risk, took risk. You know what started to happen? Who's ever seen a blank screen flicker? And I would have a good I think I saw a picture right there. And how many of you ever see a picture and there's a moment of decision where you're unsure? You guys know what I'm saying? And you internally have to decide, will I take the risk and say what I heard or saw? Or am I going to sit on that because I'm not sure? And I'm waiting for something more dynamic that I have more confidence in, then I'll say that. What I found is if you're sit on the revelation, then you've you, you put a ceiling. You cap the revelation. When you're faithful with little, you will be given. So I think the Lord sometimes gives you a flicker, 
And you go, I might be a one talented guy, but I'm not going to bury my talent. I'm going to use my talent. And if you're five, good for you. It doesn't make you better. It's about what you do with your talent. So if you're getting, so third thing is this, take a risk. I know it's crazy, dude. I saw a picture. I just saw you. I don't know. I'm just, I, I can make something up right now, but I'm going to. But I'll just say what I saw. Last thing I would say is don't make disclaimers. And I watched it around the room. Some of you are unsure. And so a disclaimer looks like this. You're like, I, I don't know. I just, I mean, I did see something. I probably should say it. Um, you know, how many of you feel like you're apologizing for your picture before you say your picture? And so what you're doing is you're hedging your bet. Does that make sense? You're playing it safe. So what I found was the prophetic response when we do this. This is a safe room. If you have false prophecy right now, don't worry about it. It'll work out. Some of you are like, what? No, yeah, it's going to happen in your life. At some point, you're in it wrong. But I just do this mentally when I started preaching. Part of taking authority is this. I'm giving permission. Whatever you see, just say it. Just say it. Say it like you mean it. And don't hold back. Because the faster you do and the more you do, the more pictures will come. So you just kind of, you're priming that pump. Like, come on, Lord, do it. So don't give disclaimers. Exercise faith. Hey, I saw you're a wild animal for God. Just keep running for God. It's like, okay, okay I love that. Picture number two. You're like, I got no time to apologize. I'm down to four and a half minutes. Let's go. Next picture. You know what I'm saying? So your time has to get a little bit more raw like that. A little bit less professional like you're trying to be Amy Ward all the time. Just forget all that. Just start being yourself and just like, this is what I saw. This is what I heard. Boom. Last coaching tip is this. Once you get that original design, who got prayer? Is at the end of that time, you're going to lay hands on that person and you're praying literal revival fire on that person. Is you're praying as the other people, you're literally by faith, imagine this, like you're reaching into heaven, taking what God said, and you're pulling it down and you're imparting it on the person. New Testament, they laid hands on and imparted. Everyone say impartation. So you wrap up that time with a faith-filled prayer of impartation. What I always do, is it too practical? No. Because I want everyone, when you're doing impartation moment, everybody prays. No one's listening. Because God can hear it all. So yeah. if the two of you are praying, boom, you're just going 10, 20 seconds, same time. Everyone's just rumbling, rumbling, rumbling. We move to the next person. So here's what we're going to do. We're about to switch to the next person. I want a different person to lead, a different person to hear, a different person to receive. But before we do, I want everyone to lay hands on the person who just got prayer and go 20 seconds of fire impartation. Go for it. You guys are on fire. Seriously, you're so activated. Certain school of faith, you guys are killing it on every way. I know a lot of this is repeats. Like you've heard this before, but it's just helpful to put in some paper. Okay. Now, I want to just see if we can adjust your worldview paradigm for a second. We're going to come right back to this. Put a pin in this. We're going to take a fork in the road, and I want to apply this tool in a different way. If you understand the concept of original design, then you understand that the Lord has a mind about everything. If you don't understand that, then you don't understand that the Lord has a mind about everything. And it never occurs to you to pause and say, what is your mind on this matter? So think about the limitless things in your life where you can pause and say, Lord, how do you view this situation? How do you view this person? How do you view this marriage? How do you view this child? 
How do you view this min this ministry that we're with? How do you view the nation that we're going to? How do you view this family? How do you view, how do you view, how do you view? In other words, original design is just a way for you to say, God, what is your mind? And to wait on the Lord and then to say out and to declare in a prophetic way the life of God's original design for whatever the situation is. Let me give you a can I give you a practical example? Yes. The Lord has a plan for this week. You're not in trouble for this, so don't apply this in a negative way. I'm trying to make a, a point of emphasis. Do you know why you're here this week? Or do you just have some you know cool ideas? But have we said, God, what do you want to accomplish this week? Like, I know why we're all here together, because we asked the Lord before the week, Lord, what are you accomplishing? Does that make sense? Yeah. So there's never a ministry assignment, because I'm not intelligent enough to come up with good ideas. I'm not talented or smart or gifted enough to accomplish anything without God. So I literally feel at all times that both hands are tied behind my back if I don't know what the mind of God is. I need to know. I don't ever go anywhere without knowing what does God want to accomplish. So do you see the, the tool of original design empowers you to get the mind of God on anything that you need the mind of God. So I want to activate and I want to show you this. I'm going to be the authority. You're all going to listen to the voice of the Lord right now. Does that make sense? Yeah. So here it is. In Jesus' name, right now, Father, I pray you speak to every single person in the room with no hesitation. Lord, I pray you show them why are they here this week? How do you view the week? What do you want to accomplish this week? The second that you see a picture or hear something, I want you to speak it out without hesitation. God, what are you accomplishing in us this week? Say it really loud. Connection between circuit riders and fire and fragrance. Just so you know, that was the number one reason that Nick and I felt and Zach that we needed to be together, that the Lord is establishing a stronger connection. It's more significant, more significant than we understand and or realize. We also feel, I'm just being told, this is leadership hour, not DTS hour, that there is war on that subject. So if you don't know that, you're just literally walking along in life like, yeah, we like those guys over there. When the Lord's like, no, I'm trying to make you into an army that can rumble. You can converge on a nation anywhere in the world and move yeah. in authority. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you have to nurture that and forge that. Does that make sense? How many of you heard something along the lines of what he just said there? Raise your hand really, really high if you've heard something like that. Look at the agreement in the room on that. Okay, let's keep praying. Lord, what else are you accomplishing this week? Alignment. What else? Affirming identity. Impartation. Unity and vision. Say it again. Unity and vision. And what was this one? Yes. Catching the wind. Yes. Super good. What else? Breaking. Breaking down doors unto greater anointing. Yes, keep going. What else? Establishing life mission. Yes, who said that? Establishing what? Life mission. Life mission. I love that. Come on, two or three of you heard something and you're holding it back. I know, I feel it in the room. Releasing. Okay, what else? Uprooting. Yes, what else? New wine into new wine. Yes, so Let's good. Go. Come on, what else? Breaking unbelief and doubt. Yes. I didn't hear a word. I saw a picture. Yeah, that works. But it was like 
white chairs and they were all empty and I felt like we all came here because there's actually people that are going to fill those chairs like that we have yet to like we're not equipped to speak to them yet and this group are getting equipped that they would actually have a seat at the table in heaven come on no fire yes that's good think about that I'm going to can I translate and interpret what I'm hearing the Lord is saying he needs to accomplish something in us this week and that other people's eternity destiny yeah, eternal destiny right. hinges on what God's trying to accomplish in you does that shift the tone of the That'd week good does that make that different like oh sense okay I should know what God wants to do and if that's there's warfare against that I should know that too Think about the application of a GTS, of a YWAM base, of an individual. Just like, it's, do you see what I'm saying? It's limitless. Yeah. I get pumped on my dad, like my kids. There's never not a week where there's not warfare over your children. So if you don't understand original design, how could you ever stand at the gate of your home? Whoa. Oh, yeah. Wow. You're just bringing a court gun to a gunfight, and the end is just going, he goes, I'm going to systematically deconstruct. Oh, Boom. Because you're, it's like you're flying blind. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I love, for me, the parenting application. Brian would always say this to me, though, is he would say great leaders are great parents and great parents are great leaders because the skills are the same. Wow. Yeah. How can you parent greatly if you don't have the ability to discern destiny and lead them counterintuitively into a destiny? Yeah. Otherwise, you're just meeting whatever crisis presents itself that day. Did you have your hand up? Yeah, go for it. I feel like there's things we've learned between my generation and CR that can come to the future. Yes, so good. Okay, one or two more. Anyone else hear anything? Yes. Uh, learning from each other minds. Yes, so good. And then, oh, was it interrupting? Matt, share from Kona. Hey, Matt. Yes. Share from Kona, go. Hey, we have a few, Tristan. Tristan. Yes, yes, sir. Oh, yes, go. Yeah. So building character, building character, rest. What else? Humbling ourselves. Humbling ourselves. Peace. There's fruit that needs to be sought out and grabbed this week. Learning. Sometimes as staff, we think we like have already arrived. So like fresh learning. Joy. I want to highlight one he said is there's fruit to be sought out and grabbed this week. Just I love and they're all everything that you guys are hearing is fire, it's God filled the Holy Spirit. But I love that one because do you see how it tunes your heart to approach the week differently versus being in a reactive state? Because none of you guys are just really there's no passivity in the room. Everyone's crushing beyond that. Yeah. But do you understand how you can approach? We all do this. You can approach a work week very passively. Yeah. Yeah. You're, just run, you're kind of just reacting to what presents itself. Versus, I love that picture of the Lord saying, I have fruit for you, but you have to seek me and reach. You're, you're pursuing that. There's pursuit. So anyways, we can keep going. All right. I want you to get back into your threes. Okay. And here's the next assignment. We're going to up the ante. How are we doing? Next question. What is one poor stronghold? Oh, 
Okay, pause real quick so you understand the assignment. Okay, now here's the deal. Here's my deal. Is original design is awesome and super fun. It's a pretty safe exercise. Yeah. 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 You guys, if anyone feel the risk factor just went up in the room? Yeah. Actually, like, you know, you're God's child right now. Okay. Here's the core question I want you to ask the Lord for every person. We're going to do this again three to five minutes per person. And I know, thank you, John Mark, for doing this. What is one core stronghold currently blocking you? Super simple. Here's the image. God is an original design for you. Okay. That is point B. Where you're at is point A. As a leader, as a developer of people, you're trying to figure out how to move them from A to B. Does that make sense? Yeah. But how can you move them if you don't know what B is? And how can you move them if you don't know what A is? So I need to know where you're at. This is A. And B is where God wants to move you. And then there's a bunch of junk in the middle. We all tracking? Yeah. So this is my little metaphor for how I see strongholds. The enemy has a way of discerning greatness on your life. I don't believe he's omniscient. But I do believe he's a pretty good judge of character, student of people, because he's done that forever. So I think he perceives um, anointing, talent, ability, greatness on your life. And he knows I can't have your eternity. So he goes, so I'm going to do everything I can to hinder, limit, or block you. So the way I view strongholds is super cheesy. You're about to see my terrible artwork. You guys ready for this? I'm helping you so you can explain strongholds. Because earlier, Zach knows how many of you can explain strongholds. You're the leaders, and I think like five hands went up. Is that too much? No. So I'm trying to help you right now. This is the way I see it. Your original design is the target for your life. Where you're currently at, imagine this in a one-dimensional or two-dimensional plane. You get it. Okay, this is your, your your path, and the enemy just builds roadblocks in your path. These are the strongholds. So you could be, in all sincerity, I'm just making this up, generic, okay? You can be, because of depending on what you've been through in your life, you might legitimately be seven, eight, nine legitimate strongholds. Not like I'm talking about you had a negative thought the other day. I'm talking about a stronghold legitimately dominates your life. I don't feel like we're tracking on that. Do we need to open our Bibles on that? No, we're good. So you've got the scriptures in your manual, your freedom manual, right? Topos. And the, you're going to hit this barrier in your life. So let's say, for example, the Lord says your life is meant to be marked by courage. What do you think the number one stronghold the enemy is going to work to do? But here's the deal. Fear is helpful. It's kind of helpful, but it's also a little bit generic. This is training. Are we tracking right now? 
So it's like semi-helpful. It gets me what I call you're in the ballpark, but it's not very, it's not a scalpel. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's more like, um, hey, I think you're sick right now. Yeah, no, I know that. <laughs> now I have a fever. That's why I'm here, doc. Can you go any deeper than that? So if that's all you know, start with that. Okay, but Laura and I have a couple of tools. I'm going to give you the tools. Is that okay? Yeah. Yeah. I'm skipping all the revival heart stuff because you have it. I'm trying to show you the how. That's what I'm always told is we want it. We need the how. So Laura and I start with this question. What's one core stronghold? And it's usually a picture. It's usually something very simple, like a fear. It's not like, you know, we're not going to the planet Pluto. If it, if it requires so much explanation that no one can understand it, I just go, hey, that, love you. That's not helpful. <laughs> and the spirit is helping you. So if you go like, we just went on a Christopher Nolan journey and I don't understand what's happening right now with the movie that I'm living in section. That's for me, go, that's the spirit of confusion and the prophetic person has to work that out in their life. That happens. Okay. So let's say fear. Then Laura and I will ask this as a follow-up question. How many core deceptions are underneath that fear? Because all strongholds, the underpinning of a stronghold is always deception. The foundation to a stronghold is this, you're deceived. So the enemy has presented deception to you through some way in your life, and you believe the deception. When you put your belief in the deception, you align your life with that deception. When you align yourself with the deception, the enemy goes, I now have topaz in your life. So for you, it's not magical words that move the enemy. You have to unalign yourself with that deception and move yourself in alignment with truth. Does this make sense? Yeah. So if this get, if this gets me in the ballpark, the second question helps get me onto the field. So Lord, I was asked, usually it's three, four, five. Don't think of it like an equation, but I'm trying to put skin on the, I'm putting, putting meat on the bones. Does that make sense? Yeah. So let's just do an example here. So we would just say like, okay, Lord, how many ways, how many deceptions are underneath that fear? So like fear number one, I'm just making these up, by the way. Yeah. Does anybody relate to having a stronghold of fear in your life? Raise your hand. Okay, so this would be an example. Number one, if I step out, God won't come through. Whoa. How many of you ever struggle with that? Raise your hand really high and bold. So do you see it's a philosophy? That's why Ephesians says that the Lord comes to tear down those philosophical mindsets. So the enemy has all these ways of sowing the seed in your life where that spirit goes, if you step out, it won't come through. If you step out, it won't come through. If you step out, it won't come through. And then you go, man, I just don't know if I want to step out. That fear is expressing itself through the, through the deception. Okay, here's another one. If I step out, people will reject me. How many of you identify with that? Raise your hand high, boldly. So the enemy goes, hey, if you step out, you're going to be rejected. You've been rejected your whole life. This is not everyone's story. But I bet you, 70, 80% of you, if you look at your life from birth until now, there's a theme of rejection. You were systematically rejected again and again and again. It was a pattern. Be bold right now. Raise your hand. If there's a theme of rejection, raise your hand really high. Look around the room. You think that's happenstance? You think that's random? No, the enemy's wielding that as a weapon against you from the day you're born. 
because he's sowing this seed. He's building a philosophy in your life that says you're going to be rejected, so you should live in fear. Yeah. Are you tracking on the practicality of this? Yeah. yeah. Number three is this. If you step out, you're going to be disappointed. How many of you have ever been disappointed and it hurt really bad and it interrupted your ability to try again? Raise your hand really high. So do you see what I'm saying? Is it helpful to say you have fear? Yeah, it's kind of helpful. Is it helpful when I say, hey, you have fear and it's expressing itself through these beliefs? Number one, you're afraid God won't come through. Number two, you're afraid you're going to be rejected. Number three, you're afraid of disappointment. How many of you feel like, whoa, that got way more personal really fast? Yeah. yeah. So that all comes from this two-question combo. It's like a it's like a one-two combo. That Lord, I find that really practical. We use this every single day in our life. There's never a day we don't ask this. We help our children with this. Everybody we minister to. You'll just be shocked at all the ways that you can use this practical little tool. And all it is is the Lord's willing to give you revelation. You just have to know the right question to ask. Yeah. How are we doing? Yeah. Good. Uh, you word that question? <clears throat> yeah. What is one core stronghold currently blocking you? And what are the core deceptions underneath that? Got it. Core deceptions is really the, the there are no magic words, but this is the core of the question. I think the Lord knows what you're asking. Right. So I don't want to get your, and I know it's not your heart. I'm not a big, like, hey, you didn't ask that right. I think if you're just going, like, core deceptions, what is it? I think the Lord gets it. So even if you're like, I don't know, core deceptions. I think the Lord's like, I know what you're asking here. They come to me. <laughs> so ask however you want. You know, what are the core deceptions underneath it, on the way it's built? Sometimes we will ask this. It's a different way of asking the question. We'll ask, what's one core stronghold blocking you? And then we'll ask this, how many ways is that stronghold expressing itself in your life? And I like the question, how many ways does it express itself? Because now we're going to get into behaviors and patterns. And that's different than philosophies. These are core deceptions. But now I'm going to ask the Lord, how do you behave when you're under the power of that fear? How many of you have ever had your mail read where somebody goes, how did you know that I say that? And the, it's because the Lord showed when you're underneath the power of fear, you have predictable patterns. Wow. Are you tracking? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So maybe if we ask the Lord, we're just making this up here live, but how about we do a little live fun hypothetical exercise? Yeah. Yeah. Just randomly, did anybody just by chance happen to identify with these deceptions? Raise your hand if you identify with the deceptions. Really happy. So for some of you, this hits home. Raise your hand high. Maybe you look unsure. That's okay. Am I droning on too much or is this helpful? I'm about to turn you loose to use this on each other. So if you don't have clarity, I need to know. Good. Because we're moving from theoretical content to actual application. That's the only way training is beneficial. Otherwise, we just talked about stuff. Yeah. Hang on one second. I'm going to demonstrate and then you ask. So the next question is I ask, how many ways does it express itself? Or ask it any way you want. I'm just act, asking the Lord, what are the patterns? Let's do a hypothetical here. Lord, how many patterns of fear do you want to highlight for this group? I heard three right away. Number one is this. Is I heard when you feel uh, afraid and insecure, you become quiet. Wow. Awesome. Does anyone identify with a pattern in your life? When you're unsure, you go quiet. Raise your hand really high. Look around the room. Uh why listen 
Listen, this is important. Don't miss this. If you miss this, you miss a crux. Why is this prophetic information helpful? Because I'm driving you towards the four R's the whole prayer time. Wow. Wow. And the most important and impactful R is the fourth one, replace, because it requires action. The most underrated and underutilized and avoided R is replace because yeah. it's inconvenient and costly. Uh, Y'all never have breakthrough if you don't do replacement. Yeah. Very few people do replacement. Yeah. That's my raw, honest feedback. Wow. That's what Nick told you yesterday. Right? Yeah. So take a break. I'm just trying to show you this how the offense works. So the whole prayer time, I'm driving you toward, you don't know it. But the whole prayer time, I'm driving you towards the fourth R. Because I know if you don't replace, you're dead. And I believe it, that cold hard truth. So I'm setting you up to help you. I'm giving you leverage points. Because if I just go, you have fear, you should stop being afraid. Kind of helpful, but it's so generic that the breakthrough is generic. The more precise the revelation, the more precise the breakthrough. so you're trying to move your scalpel towards that like what's really helpful so for me this is helpful because i can repent for believing the lies lord i've aligned myself with so much deception i repent for believing the lie that if i step out you're not going to come through do you see how that sets me right up for that for that first r lord i repent for believing the lie that people are going to reject me it doesn't matter if they reject me lord i repent for all the ways i've harbored my disappointment do you see how the information sets you up for dynamic prayer if i just say you're afraid it sets me up for i'm sorry i'm afraid i don't want to be afraid Right. Good. If that's what you know, go with that. But I'm just saying, I feel like you have a club when you need a scalpel. Wow. You're yeah. kind of just beating on something. But if you had a scalpel, you can just wow. cut that right out. Is this helpful? Yeah. So why are the patterns important? Because when I get to the replacements, the whole breakthrough hinges on this. You got to move your mouth. So I'm going to give you a development plan that forces you out of your comfort zone for 25 hours a day, eight days a week. That requires you to talk, 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 if this is your pattern. Because it's in the talking that you're breaking through. You're practically taking the ground. Are we tracking on this? Now, some of you in the room, when you're afraid, you talk too much. It's a manifestation of your anxiety. So Lord goes, you need to consider the Proverbs. Be quick to listen, slow to speak. You should ask more questions and talk less about yourself. So maybe that's your application. Do you see how it's not a one-size-fits-all? The spirit has to direct you. But if you don't know the patterns, how can you guide them in repentance? Is this too much? Laura, what's the second pattern you want to highlight for fear for this room? I heard this, so I'm just going in faith here. Wes, I heard that for many of you in the room, when you feel afraid, you make up false rejection. So you envision in your mind that people are rejecting you, but it's not real. It's perceived rejection, not real rejection. So the enemy plays a false narrative of rejection on you at all times. How many of you would say honestly? And you'll know that you do this because you live in your mind a lot about what others think and say about you, and you know it's irrational, but yet you wrestle with it. If that's you, be bold. Raise your hand right now. Look around the room. So here's the deal. What good is it say you have fear if I don't lead you to this 
and go, we have to address a false narrative re of rejection. You tracking with me? What's that? Of like a false rejection? Oh yeah, super easy. Uh, I'm gonna make it like really benign. I'm gonna make it really benign. Like stuff that happens every day. Because I, I think if it's all about sorcery, all of you are like, I have a hard time like, I don't totally relate. To, I mean, I guess I'm capable of sorcery, but I've never done tarot cards. So I, theoretically, I'm a sinner. I get it, but I haven't done it. But how about this? You have a friend that you want to hang out with, and you heard that your friend and another friend went got acai bowls, and they didn't call you. Yeah. Totally benign. You know it's benign, yet why does it strike that chord in you that goes, why didn't you call me? Yeah. Who's ever had a moment where you were not invited to something and you had an overreaction? You know that you're overreacting, yeah. but yet you cannot control your overreaction. Raise your hand super high. Look around the room. Okay. So then let me play that out because that happens every day on the earth. Okay. It was after So common. Here you go. So then here would be another pattern of the false rejection. What's happening? I'm sorry, I took a photo, but it was after they hit down. Oh. I just wanted to take a photo. I just wanted to take a photo. So real quick, this is very specific to this hypothetical situation. But I'm showing you how this, the tools work. I feel like we slowed down too much. Is this helpful? No, no. The truth is, here's the fact of the matter. No doubt on this. All of you have a predictable pattern that you behave in when you feel rejected. Nobody is impervious to that. It's all unique to you. It's all based on your, your personality, based on your past pain. But you all have a drug of choice you go to when you feel rejected. Yeah. So the, yeah. the thing is, you have to figure out what that pattern is. It's usually not many and complex, but they are consistent. Yeah. meaning you don't respond in a myriad of ways all of you typically have one to three core patterns that are what i call predictable patterns and when you are it ceases to be prophetic anymore because we're all predictable animals so the enemy knows if he touches that button he'll get that outcome if he pulls that lever he'll get that emotion from you so why so what this is key this is where self-awareness comes in the more you do this for yourself the more you start to learn your Patterns. Who said patterns? Start to learn your patterns. So it is helpful to have the prophetic input, but you get to a point where you're like, honestly, you could pray for me, but I don't really need the prophetic input. I know probably what happened. I probably had a funny interaction with somebody that meant nothing, but it touched that part of me that felt rejection. It's a false rejection. And I responded in a predictable way that I always respond, yeah. which for me would usually be, I, I pull back, I become silent. And then I'll over-focus on my work. I become overly focused, my way of comforting myself. How many of you have a work pattern that's your comfort? You're, you, you'll, you'll go into striving as your way of, you feel rejected, so you just put your head down and work. Okay. How many of you are um, get mad when you feel rejected? You just get angry with someone and you don't know why. Raise your hand if you have patterns of, un oh, don't be embarrassed, you're good. I'll put mine up too, yeah. You gotta get angry, okay? How many of you ever have dips in sorrow? You feel sorrowful and you don't know why. Raise your hand super high. So you're hunting down the mental health rabbit hole only to realize it wasn't that. You just felt rejected when someone didn't invite you out to Acai and you didn't know and you responded in a false rejection. Number one category I see this is with peers and then with authority figures. Because you've all experienced pain or rejection from authority figures in your past. 
And so you don't realize it, but certain types of authorities trigger you. Like some of you who are, this is it too much? No. Some of you who are dominated by um, overbearing authorities. When you um, experience like Nick yesterday, who was in that real authorized Jehu mode, or even today when I kind of got a little wild about hospitality and voting at Starbucks, it'll strike that, it strikes that chord where you're, you go, oh, that was hard, right? Yeah. Does that make sense? But so a lot of times that's rooted in a painful rejection. Like if you had a father who was overly corrective or abusive, then it can be very hard for you to be around strong male authority figures or even female authority figures. And so you have a drift towards passive authority because it feels safe, but it's really a false comfort. It's a reaction to perceived rejection. That's good. That makes sense? Yeah. Number one thing that I did intuitively, and I don't know why I did it, but it was a revelation moment for me. This is the one story I'll tell you about something I did right. All the rest are failure. Come on. But my whole life, I was drawn towards strong authority, meaning I wanted to be near them. And I never thought about it. It didn't make sense to me. Uh, oh, praise God, I didn't break. But here's the funny part. I was inherently afraid of authority. Deception. I became convinced that I was rejected by authority and always would be. Wow. Yet I had a draw towards strong authority. So I would draw near to authority, but I would live insecure and afraid. And it was always a head game in my head. Are you happy with me or unhappy with me? Be honest. How many of you in the room, raise your hand if you're constantly unsure of authority approves of you and you live afraid of authority. Raise your hand really high. So you have to resolve that you have something in your past that feeds that deception that if you get too close to authority, they will reject you. What you understand biblically is that authority and God's system is designed to cover and bless you and protect you. And so it's the enemy's tool. The scheme of the enemy is to drive you away from covering because when you're out from covering, you're vulnerable to the enemy. So the enemy wields that rejection to move you out from covering. And the Lord goes, move towards authority. It's safer. I will bless you there. Now, if you have a student, listen, I'm going to help you with this grid. If you have a student who is prone to rebellion and your only tool is to confront them and say, you need to stop being rebellious. And all of it is rooted in their pain from past authority figures. How unhelpful was that? All I did is I'm reinforcing the pattern and pushing them further. So you have to understand these tools, this grid, because you're going around their pain to pull the plug so that they feel safe to come closer. Yes, sir. How do you fix that? Do you have that Yes, great question. This is how I do it. I'm just going right to the point of your question to answer it. Is because I think that that's a thing for a lot of young people in particular. Does that make sense? So as because you're the leader now, so don't look now, but guess what? You just became in this equation. You became the authority figure. Does that make sense? So we're talking about you struggle to come near authority because you're afraid of authority. But because you're a leader and the student arrives, you're now the authority in the equation. So you're, you're stuck on both ends. 
And not only that, but if you are afraid of authority and you have an inherent fear of being hurt by authority, that will affect how you exercise authority. So the enemy then will move you towards certain patterns of authority that are unhealthy because you're afraid of being that which you're afraid of. Does that make sense? So you're unable to function in purity as an authority. So in other words, I'll give you an example. If you are hurt, I'm just giving benign, like generic examples. If you're harmed by authority, the human heart will go, I never want to be like that. So I will be passive in my authority because if I'm, because if I'm, they won't say passive, they'll say, I want to be a kind authority. But it's moved them towards, so what they do is they cease to lead and they'll say this, I just want to be a safe leader that just says all should come, just come. So when you have people who are prone to over pastoral work, meaning if the pastor gone wild, it's usually they were harmed by authority and they're afraid of becoming that, so they're afraid to ever function in authority. Wow. So I'm trying to help answer your question. What I do is this. If I have that revelation, I, number one, have to identify what is the who, there's usually not one, it's usually more, who were the authority figures that I was harmed by? What was the nature of the harm? You have to forgive that, and then you have to unwind all the deception and the patterns that flow from that. Do you see how you're walking your, into that revelation? So I'm trying to train and equip you guys to do this for everybody who comes into your sphere of influence. Does that make sense? Let's do one more and then I'll get you Frank. We're down to, I have 12 minutes and I have to leave. How are we doing? So good. Lord, what's that third pattern out of fear that you want to speak to? I heard the third was striving for approval. And I heard that some of us in the room are afraid of being rejected, so we work extra hard so that we'll be approved of. How many of you can uh, identify with working extra hard so you get that approval? Okay, let's all stand up. Do you guys feel like we're just going to exercise this for 12 minutes and then I unfortunately have to go? What I want you to do is in your threes, same thing. Authority figure starts over. Is it hot here? Or is it no. The fire down on me. Okay. Hey, real quick. What I want you to do is you're going to go five minutes each person. Same as before. Someone's going to ask the question. Someone's going to listen. Everyone can participate in the listening. Someone's going to receive prayer. You're just going to ask the Lord, what is one core stronghold that's blocking the person? And I want you to ask, what are the core deceptions underneath that? Just listen. Take some risk. Step out here. Can I give you one caveat that will help you? Sometimes people are prone to over-rebukes in their prophetic sauce. Over review. Sometimes, like here, I always know that someone has an unresolved stronghold of anger when their prophetic edge has anger in its tone. So it, I call it the spanking. Just like every deal is just like boom. Every prayer time is an opportunity to say you're missing it. X, Y, and Z. It has. You'll know by the spirit it has too much sauce on it. Does that make sense? Yeah. So this is not an opportunity for you to tee off on your buddy who's been annoying you. <laughs> I want you guys to feel, do you guys feel the fear of the Lord over the tools that we're exploring right now? You're like, man, if you wield these incorrectly, you can really harm somebody. So there's, yeah. are we feeling that? Yeah. There's fear of the Lord. Okay. Yeah. So do you guys have clarity on the assignment right now? Yeah. yeah. 
Five minutes each person. Yes, ma'am. At the end of hers, them doing the four R's, yeah? Yes, you're guiding them towards the four R's. That's all I don't. I'm just trying to show you the whole thing, but don't worry about this. Wait, 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 should we do it together? You just want to do it in your own words. Yeah. In Jesus' name, we repent. Real time. For having a gigantic corporate stronghold of fear. So you should know that every organization has corporate strongholds. They're a summation of the individual strongholds. Go into any corporation and they will have a culture and a counterculture. That's yeah, called a corporate stronghold. Okay. Here we go. In Jesus' name. We ask forgiveness for believing the lie. If I step out, God won't come through. Everybody's going to reject me. And the future is full of disappointment. Those are all lies from the enemy. I shut them out. Here we go. I ask forgiveness for patterns of passivity and silence. For making up false rejection. For making up false rejection. And for striving for approval. And for striving for approval. And then the closing thing I always do, and this is key, is I take authority over the strong man. What's the gospel say? Jesus says you cannot plunder the strong man's house until you first what? Find the strong man. Did you feel that was allegorical language? No. I think that's literal. I think the Lord goes, there's strongholds in your life, and you have to bind the strong man. Are you tracking? Yes. We all know what a strong man is. I'm going to say it outright. It's a demon. Oh, no. Yeah. Plain language. That's working against your life. Did that blow your mind? or is that? I think that's obvious, right? I, some of you are looking at me like I just spoke in another language right now. You all have assignments from hell that are assigned to your life to derail you. That should not be news wow. to you. Wow. So how can you lead in a DTS if you have unresolved assignments from the enemy to derail your life? Talk about an uphill battle. Yeah. That's why you're miserable when you lead out. You have unresolved strongmen that are just punching you in the face. Oh, okay. <laughs> There? Yeah. How many of you raise your hand have ever had, you've led in the DTS, and if you're honest, you had a very difficult time and you don't know why? Raise your hand really high. Look around. You led a DTS? Yeah. Like stop. Like an hour. Yeah, like stop. How many of you stop the DTS and you had a very difficult time? Raise your hand. Guaranteed. Check it out. Guaranteed why you had a miserable time is you had unrealized spiritual warfare in your life and the enemy just getting free shots on you all day long. 
So you have to bind the strong man. So do this with me. In Jesus' name, I take authority. You understand now why you have to understand your authority in Christ? That's the why of today. That's all we're driving towards. I take authority over the spirit of fear. Who wants to hinder me from moving in my original design? I command his hold to break. Okay, that's it. Amen. Super simple. 